fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into the program. Hold up. My camera just seems off. It seems off. I am not looking the way it's supposed to be looking today. I don't know what happened. Hey, we'll adjust that during the breaks. Welcome in. <laughs> A frantic Tuesday. It's what we're going to call the show today. Welcome into the program. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. Great to have you along for the ride today. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you may watch or listen to the show, you're a millennial general doing what we do each and every day. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's great to have you. Let's kick it into gear today with your millennial general. Speaking of, by the way, just a quick little tidbit. We... Here in the local market, where I'm based out of, out of Wichita, we get a somewhat look at the ratings all the time on a month-by-month, quarter-by-quarter basis. We are probably one of the best when it comes to bringing in the younger crowds into talk radio. And I see that as a pride and joy. That's what I've tried to focus on in this show. We do well trying to bring in the younger crowd. So, hey, welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Now, when I say younger generation, I say, like, between the 25-plus. Because most talk radio listeners are not 25 or 30 years old, but being 33 myself, I think we try to bring in that flavor of talk radio for the new generation, and that's what we're hearing all about. So that's awesome. That younger crowd, that feistiness, we're still there. And for those that are on the older end of it, welcome. We still love you to death, too, because you are the ones giving us the world experience. We are... Unlike the Democrats and the progressives, we are the ones where we actually listen to what you have to say, listen to your life experiences, listen to the stories that you have to tell us, because each of those stories has a value and a teaching lesson that we can learn from and hopefully evolve and adapt from. So you are the wisdom bearers. I am the wisdom seeker trying to find the wisdom from you. Is that a way to start the show today? Welcome in. we got a lot to get to today. Uh, bottom of the hour, Ambassador Francis Rooney. He is a former congressman. He is a former U.S. ambassador to the Holy See uh, that was, a, that was uh, appointed by the George W. Bush administration. He's also author of the book The Global Vatican. We'll talk about the ties that the Pope has with Vladimir Putin and the Russians, along with his thoughts on the latest with Russia and the Ukraine. There's a lot of news out there now regarding Russia and the Ukraine. Russia apparently fleeing, and Ukraine is making gains left and right when it comes to the conflict as they're taking back their uh, their country, taking back their land, and Vladimir Putin not having that. He's already activated another 300,000 soldiers just a week or so ago. And he's trying another front. But as of right now, doesn't seem to be working very well. So we'll get the latest on that. Does that also lead to a potential World War III and or nuclear conflict with Vladimir Putin? Because, well, he's a crazy guy, who, a crazy dictator who doesn't like to lose. We'll get into some of that here at the bottom of the hour. We have some political updates for you. We have the news from Elon Musk and Tweety. The fact that he is now confirmed that he's set to buy it again. He's interested. He's going to go ahead with the deal with the original price of, what was it, $54.50 a share or something like that and stock market booming up quite dramatically with a near 22 percent gain in twitter value so if you did buy twitter stock then hey you done well my friend i was not smart enough to buy twitter shares so therefore i am not part of that awesomeness and seeing those gains where i could sell today and make a buttload of money i wasn't that smart but i'm not usually that smart on the stock market because i don't have anything in the stock market 
So there is that. So we'll get to all that in more. First and foremost, though, I do want to say that a legend has passed today. As we talked about the uh, older individuals that have all the wisdom and being the wisdom seeker that I am. Have I told you the tattoo I'm going to get, by the way? <laughs> it's just right there. Shut off the entire older generation. Andy, don't get any tattoos. No, I'm going to get a tattoo of two ravens on my shoulder. And for those that are interested in any way, shape, or form of different mythologies and different beliefs and different ideas, in Norse mythology, the two ravens, Eugen and Munin, they are the constant seekers of wisdom and knowledge. I think being in philosophy, being in politics, being the talk radio host that we are, the ones that try to be the truth seekers all the time, that constant looking of wisdom and knowledge is kind of an important thing. So I'm going to get those tattooed on my shoulder. But speaking of the wisdom from the new, from the older generation, a devastating loss that we saw today, one of the greats, one of the great trend setters, Loretta Lynn, the country artist. Yeah, I'm just a coal miner's daughter, really one of the first female country singers that set the tone for the industry back in the 60s. Yet she passed away today, 90 years old. In a statement from the Associated Press, the family said that she died at her home in Hurricane Mills, Tennessee. Thoughts and prayers of the family, and I don't know what type of health conditions that she was in, but that's a sad one. Obviously, she was just before my time a little bit, so I wasn't too terribly emotionally attached. I know of her music. I've listened to her music plenty, and it's very sad to hear that one of the greats and one of the legends has passed on like that. Uh, the same when you know Johnny Cash passed away and with Waylon Jennings and all those that, yes, oh yes, I may be young. I may be into my crazy, you rock and roll. I may be into my heavy metal and my rock and roll, but I respect the hell out of the classic country because that is some great classic music, and I will listen to that every day of the week. So thoughts and prayers of the family. And Loretta Lynn, 90 years old, passing today. That is a sad ordeal because she was definitely a trend setter. I would go back to the country music of that time, not of the country music today. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Sorry. Can't do the country music. That is today the new age crap. I just I, I just can't do it. Let's get into what's trending for the stories today. What's trending today? So real quickly, a bit of a house cleaning duty from last week. As you know, that we had the continuing resolution from Congress. They passed the bill or else the government would have shut down on Saturday and then we all would have died. We It would have been the end of the world if the government did not open again on Monday. Now the government was shut down all weekend long but by golly if the government didn't open on saturday we would have died and it all would have been the end of the world because we didn't pass the continuing resolution it did pass in the senate on thursday the house of representatives on friday was signed by the president on friday evening to make sure that we continue to fund the government and then some going into december 13th we talked about it we broke it down we talked about what's in the bill what we didn't talk about was how the process was done there was a TikTok video of Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman out of Georgia, and she had talked about the process of what was done with that bill. And this is how egotistical the Democrat Party is right now, which is why I'm so excited to whoop their you know what in November in the both the House and the Senate. We're starting to uptick again in the poll ratings in the Senate. Good. Let's make this happen. We have to have to have to have to win in November as Republicans and shut them down because this is how egotistical they are when they're in power and they get a slight win. Then you know it because they rub it in everybody's faces and they abuse that power beyond belief. Now, I'm not here to say the Republicans don't do the same thing. There are many establishment, middle of the road, rhino, hack Republicans that do the exact same thing. But 
they do it in more of a weaselly kind of way, in a spineless kind of way, because they're too scared of their own shadow. So they really just kind of go with the flow and just make sure that things are stagnant and that we just kind of continue on with the same old, same old. Democrats, on the other hand, when they get the power, they take it to the nth degree because they have the ability to do so. And they know, because they're smart and stupid all at the same time, but they're smart because they know that they can ram through their agenda, their poll numbers go down, the popularity goes down, they lose the election, we don't reverse anything, so they don't have to worry about losing any of the gains that they made, and then they just wait for the pendulum to swing back, popularity to go down for the Republicans, they went back again, and they just continue on with their agenda. It's the cycle that we have in politics. We are too short-minded to understand that politics that they play, they understand it very well, which is why we're in the state that we're in compared to, let's say, the 1940s or 50s or 60s. <laughs> it's how many agencies have been created since then because Republicans have not had the spine to stop it and say this is unconstitutional in that bureaucratic agency. Nonetheless, in Congress, the way they were passing this continuing resolution on Friday last week, Marjorie Taylor Greene did a video explaining just a bit. This is a $1.5 trillion omnibus bill that none of us got to see anything in the bill, in the bill text. We had no idea what was in it until this morning when we found out that the Rules Committee, which is a Democrat-controlled committee, and they they put out their, um, basically their alert on their website. They did not email any of us. They put it on their website after midnight, midnight, as, as in early this morning, they put it on their website that the Rules Committee would be meeting at 1.30 a.m., 1.30 a.m., and that is where they the Rules Committee meets to debate the bill. Now, normally, in how Congress should work, but it doesn't work this way since Pelosi has been Speaker, is an appropriations bill is something that every member of Congress can go. They, we can put amendments in. We can debate on the bill. And then once it goes to Rules Committee, that is where we can go and argue back and, and try to put amendments and try to make changes. Okay, I'm going to stop it right there. There's about another minute to this, but I want to break it up a bit because that is a little long. So we have the continuing resolution bill. That is essentially an appropriations bill. Remember, for the federal budget, you have 12 appropriations bills. You're supposed to, as the House of Representatives, the ones with the power of the purse, you're supposed to debate them, discuss them, what agencies need more money, what agencies don't need as much funding any longer. We have a balanced budget. We know exactly how much money's coming in. We know exactly how much money's going out. And then you have the federal budget that you pass in one lump sum as 12 different appropriations bills. That's not what happened here, obviously. We haven't done that since the Obama administration. Right now, we have an appropriations bill that is just one lump sum continuing resolution to say we're going to spend the exact same amount for everything, and then we're going to add some more on top of it as well because there's other things going on. <laughs> now, imagine that we've done that since 2008, 2009, 2010. That's, what, 12, 14, 15 years now, where we said we're just going to spend the same amount on everything and then add some more on top of it. Why not? Because there's a crisis. And if you don't agree with it, then you're cutting the budget and you're killing people in the streets. That's been the discussion that we've had. <laughs> then you take this on top of it and say, all right, obviously Democrats run the House of Representatives. They don't care what Republicans have to say because they have the majority. They have 20, 30 votes on top of us, including the moderate hack Republicans. They're like, oh, let's get along with the Democrats. They have those. So they don't need Republicans. They don't care about their input. They don't care about a rational conversation. They don't care about dialogue from the other side. They just want to ram through again whatever they want because they know that even though they may lose popularity, 
it's only going to be temporary. And when they get power back, then they already have their established policies in play. So they set a meeting for the middle of the night. They email it out at midnight for the rules committee. We're going to have our committee hearing on this bill to where you can actually alter it, add amendments, take away stuff, do what you need to do, modify it a little bit. We email it out at midnight on their website to have the meeting at 1.30 in the morning. The meeting goes until 2.30 in the morning. So when all the Republicans wake up, had no clue about any of it, walked onto the floor and say, here's the bill. We already did the due diligence. You just vote up or down. And we already know you evil Republicans how you're going to vote on this thing. So they met in the middle of the night, in the dark of night. The Democrat-run Rules Committee met at 1.30 in the morning. And by 2.30 a.m., 2.30 a.m. early this morning, they had passed the $1.5 trillion omnibus bill, and they released the bill text. So for all of us here in Washington, when we woke up earlier this morning, we found out that it was too late to go in and try to put amendments in, try to argue back, try to get things removed from this horrendous, absolutely horrendous $1.5 trillion spending bill that's supposed to keep the government uh, the lights on. But no, we weren't able to do that because the Democrats snuck it through, literally snuck it through from 1.30 in the morning till 2.30 in the morning. They did not tell us ahead of time. No one had any idea until they put it on their website after midnight. After midnight, they posted it. So none of us knew. How were we supposed to know? Dude, that's the way Democrats play. It's not fair. And I'm not saying that world is fair, but they don't play fair. They don't play by the rules. And this is what we're up against. This is why we need to win in November to take back this power away from these crazy nuts. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Turn right, it is. Welcome back into the program. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. We love you to death. Appreciate you very, very much. I'm telling you, the elections have more of a consequence, good or bad, than we can ever imagine. We always say that every election, but I'm telling you, this one... Every time it's the brink of, are we going to go off the cliff or not? Are we going to maintain? Are we going to hold on? Or are we going to just go off the cliff and let them just do whatever the heck they want to? I will say that as much as I despise technology, though, I do not. I've joked. If you listen to the show in any way, I I struggle with technology. I do. I want my flip phone back, man. I don't want a computer with a phone application on it. I want a flip phone. I don't want to have to do the social media. I don't want to have to do all that. I do the social media for the show to try and stay informed, to try and keep the information out there, to let you guys know what's going on with the program and with all the stuff that we're doing. Like, And I love that, but it gets exhausting after a while. But I will say that there is a benefit to it is that while they try to silence us and censor us, we can still get a lot of that information out, including like what Marjorie Taylor Greene did with her TikTok video. Most people don't use TikTok, but for those that did follow her, and it went on other social media sites as well. That's how we find out about these things, these backdoor deals, these overnight 1.30 in the morning meetings that they're having. What we need to do is we need to have fun with this stuff because if you just get angry with it, you're going to lose your mind. you got to have fun with these things. you got to poke fun. You have to be the satirist. Democrats have controlled the comedy scene for a long time, especially political comedy. You had The Daily Show with Jon Stewart that was very far left-leaning. You had The Colbert Report. Who's now doing the day or the uh, uh, what is it? The late night show, the late show, 
that took over from David Letterman, which is horrible, by the way. The ratings are terrible. But nonetheless, they try it because that is their bread and butter. They have the comedy. And we do a lot here. We do our satire bits and our comedy skits. But I'm telling you, Democrats really control it. It's hard to do conservative comedy to poke fun at these guys. But when you do it well and you poke fun at them, they lose their minds. Because they, they're they one of those narcissists where they like to give it out and dish it, but they don't like to take it. Uh, for example... They, I have to give credit to this guy, David uh, Fetterman, David Fetterman, the Senate Democrat running against Dr. Oz. Do, Dr. Oz has been a terrible candidate. We need to get him in, so we need to support him. So all the Republicans listening in Pennsylvania vote for Dr. Oz, no matter how much of a Yahoo he may be. But he's not campaigning well. Fetterman, on the other hand, having a little bit of lighthearted fun. Uh, he's in trouble right now with Disney Plus and with the Disney Corporation and with the Simpsons because he tied in a about a minute-long campaign ad on social media comparing Dr. Oz to the really crazy Dr. Nick guy off of The Simpsons that I think, honestly, is hilarious. Hi, everybody. Everybody. With my diet, you can eat all you want, any time you want. And you'll lose weight? Uh, you might. It's a free country. I've got the number one miracle in a bottle to burn your fat. Lose fat without diet or exercise. Stubborn stomach fat instantly disappears. I recommend a slow, steady gorging process combined with acyl horizontology. Garcinia Cambogia extract. Crystal sonic therapy. C. Buckthorn. Dr. Nick, this malpractice committee has received a few complaints against you. Dr. Oz being sued for advice he gave to viewers who struggle falling asleep. Dr. Oz is being accused of promoting quack treatments by some top physicians. Are you looking for a way to slash the cost of your medical expenses? How much would you pay for a pill that takes your body back 10 years? Call 1-600-DOCTORB. The B is for bargain. His empire and wealth have flourished. The most rewarding part was when he gave me my money. All right, so obviously it's wrong. It's dumb. Of course, you can try and tie in whatever you want to with a doctor, but you have to admit that's entertaining. And while he may get a slap on the wrist from Disney, Disney obviously agrees with Fetterman. They don't want Dr. Oz in there because they are a left-wing, progressive, woke uh, corporation that wants someone like that in there. He's willing to take that hit. He's willing to take that slap on the wrist because guess what? Voters are going to eat that up. And that is going to take him another notch and make it that much more difficult for Dr. Oz to get his foot in the door in that Senate race. This is the creativity that the Republicans, the old school fuddy-duddy Republicans in there that are trying to be too dry and serious, this is how they're going to start losing the younger generation moving forward. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, y'all. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch, listen to the show. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. We are on multiple radio stations all over the place right now. Live streaming, podcasting, TV, whatever you watch, listen to. Welcome aboard. Always great to have you today. Uh, if you missed our newsletter, we did have our blog release on our website at whosyourreason.com. 
Also, as an op-ed piece on OpsLens, O-P-S-L-E-N-S.com, they posted it as an op-ed for them. They also host a lot of our online uh, social media streaming, so welcome, guys, there. You can also download their app and watch us there as well. A lot of news to get to. We <laughs> joked about the Dr. Oz clip that was run. Again, Fetterman needs some work. Dr. Oz needs some work as well. Republicans need to do well in Pennsylvania if we're going to take back the majority in the Senate. Dr. Oz, in my opinion, been kind of a weak candidate. We'll see how he goes into the general. But Fetterman, while he may be a left-wing loony, he's got the sense of humor and he's winning people over with the charm. And with clips like that, even though he's going to get a slap on the wrist from Disney, he doesn't care. He probably just went over a whole bunch of people saying, that's awesome, because it's hilarious. And it's entertaining. Republicans are going to have to start doing that as well. Ted Cruz did well at that in the presidential race for a while before he dropped out running against Donald Trump in that primary. With that, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's get into what's trending. What's trending today? There's a lot of news we're going to try and cram in here for the next half hour, but there is some updates going out of Russia and the Ukraine. As According to the Daily Star, Putin is running away with a lot of his soldiers. They're leaving. They're leaving the bodies. They're not worrying. That Ukrainian soldiers are on the offense now, moving forward, taking back a lot of their land. What does that mean for the future of this conflict? Are we going to see nuclear? Are we going to see the concession of Vladimir Putin? I highly doubt it. Are we going to see a transition of power? There's a lot of things to talk about there. But also, what are some of the ties between the Catholic Church and the Pope, Pope Francis, with Vladimir Putin? Because there is a tie there. If you remember just a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, whenever it was, when Vladimir Putin had his grand rally at the stadium and two, 300,000 people crammed in because well, they were kind of told to do so uh, under the communist dictator, that he goes out and tries to be the rock star and says how he was doing it on call from God because God told him to go and save the people of Ukraine from their government. Is that true? And how does this all fall into place? Really happy to have on the program. He's a former congressman from the 19th District of Florida between 2017 and 2021. He's also a former U.S. ambassador as well between 2005 and 2008 under the George W. Bush administration. He also has his book, The Global Vatican. Excited to have on the program and Ambassador Francis Rooney. Francis, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, I am excited to chat with you. Really looking forward to this. First off, before we get into the Pope and the religious side of this, give me your thoughts on what you've heard. Now that we see Ukraine almost, according to the headlines that I've seen at least, almost on the offense now, driving Russia back. Russian soldiers are just running away and leaving everybody there. Is this a good sign or does that mean something bad's about to happen? Well, you know, I think it's a good sign from the point of view of the Ukraine's protecting their territory and driving the Russians out. It could be a bad sign if it drives Putin to do something really outrageous, like use tactical nuclear weapons. But you know, the the concept of Russian soldier is kind of an oxymoron. Mm. I mean, I don't think they're soldiers at all. They haven't been able to fight their way out of a wet paper bag. And most of their equipment doesn't work. And I really admire the spunk of the Ukrainians and the discipline of the Ukrainians for their ability to attack these Russians. Yeah, I'm into that. They've done very well. And I think it's because of that, you know, live or die mentality. I mean, they're defending their homeland. These these soldiers from Russia, from what we've heard, uh, they're young. They're 18 plus. They they thought they were going into training. They didn't know, weren't aware of what they were actually getting into. And that's continued now. Vladimir Putin said that he's activating another 300,000 soldiers, which I have to say, this blows my mind because before this conflict, when we talk about military strength in the world, I thought Russia was supposed to be up in like the top five worldwide on some of the strongest and largest militaries in the world. 
and yet they're not able to take over Ukraine. So I think this is kind of an eye-opener for a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah, I think a lot of people have been surprised by the lack of discipline and organization and fighting spunk of the Russian army. I mean, they were better when they went into Crimea. They were better when they went into uh, Georgia and things like that. But they haven't been very good here at all. Mm, Very much so. Uh, So let's talk about the religious aspect of it. We mentioned the rally that Vladimir Putin did just a couple months ago where he brought everybody into the stadium. He talked about the importance of this and how he was liberating them and how God told him to do so. Obviously, Russia is a very religious country. And uh, But talk about, from what your understanding is, talk about the ties that he has with the Catholic Church and with Pope Francis and how this all ties in. Well, the, first of all, the Russian Orthodox Church is a, is an arm of the state. Mm. It's a political church. So they're only going to do what is consistent with Putin's objectives. Now, I think the our Pope, Pope Francis, got sucked into some of this mantra of, oh, we expanded NATO, so that made Putin nervous, so therefore he's a little bit justified in trying to kill off the Ukraine, which I think is ridiculous. And I think the Pope's tried to walk that back here recently, which I'm glad to see. Yeah, that is good to see. But has the I guess the Church, from the Vatican stance, hasn't officially taken a position here, have they? They have not been as clear and aggressive as I think Pope Benedict would have been, Pope John Paul would have been, and their predecessors, because the Holy See diplomacy is rooted in, in the individual rights and liberties of people, human dignity, uh, freedom. And what Putin's trying to do is to abridge all of those things. Sure. Now, that was very true. If the church did take a stand, let's say they tried to walk it back a little bit from the comments from the Pope, and they actually said, you know what, we, we stand with Ukraine, we want the liberation of individuals, we don't want the uh, the control of one country taking over another and causing the humanitarian disasters that we're seeing, which the U.N. still needs to be investigating, but <laughs> good luck getting the U.N. to do anything effective in any way, shape, or form. Right. Uh, but if that stance were taken theoretically, would that stop Vladimir Putin from doing what he's doing because of how much power the church has in the country? You know, I don't know. I don't know that anything will stop Putin uh, as long as he thinks he has uh, tools in his toolkit to uh, continue his aggression. Interesting. He thinks he's Peter the Great. He wants to get this territory back and recreate what Peter the Great had, the border territories to protect Mother Russia. That's a scary thought. We're talking with uh, former Ambassador uh, Francis Rooney. He's a former congressman from the state of Florida, also author of the book The Global Vatican. Uh, There's been rumors as well about maybe the health of Vladimir Putin or the fact that he may be replaced in power. Uh, From your experience, from from your understanding of how the Russian government's working, if he were to be replaced, would there be anybody any better in the chain at all that could actually stop some of this and actually start bringing negotiations to the table? Because I've heard that some of those that are next in line would be just as vicious, if not more, than Vladimir Putin himself. Well, it kind of depends on who might take him out. I mean, if the oligarchs and the Wagner uh, force took him out, they might come in with a puppet that's more of their liking, who would deflate the the, uh, conflict. Um, There's plenty of Putin backers waiting right behind Putin. You're right, absolutely. But... um, I don't think anybody's going to be quite as smart or ruthless as Putin. That guy, he's well-trained, KGB. Look at the way he went into Chechnya 10, 15 years ago and obliterated them. Guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, He just doesn't have the horsepower anymore. 
And that's the again, that's the mind blowing part to me because I thought they did, and that's I think that what scared a lot of people going into this conflict at the beginning. If he's backed into the corner as far as he potentially is now, or if they push a little bit further. Is it realistic to assume that he could use nuclear weapons? Because that's the next conversation that he's mentioned multiple times. Well, I think it's realistic to assume that he could. I hope he doesn't. You know, several people that are close to him have raised that same point that he's raised, but it would be a drastic ex- uh, escalation. And I think the United States would have to respond. Mm. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, let's talk about real quickly just the country right now. As we shut down some of the oil and some of the trade with them, both with grains and agriculture, with the energy, they continue to pump oil. We've seen kind of the pipeline issue that happened a few days ago, which is interesting as they're blaming us for blowing up one of the pipelines. Uh, but I think Vladimir Putin obviously has played it relatively smart, unfortunately, to where they've continued to drill. They've stockpiled a lot of oil. When the conflict, if the conflict ends up wrapping up and is done and we open up trade again, do you anticipate them to kind of dominate the energy market by flooding the market with oil since we're kind of running short globally right now? Well, what's happening now is they're selling it to China. Mm. In fact, it's sort of perverse. China has all these contracts for LNG with United States producers from Chenier and all that. And so they're taking the LNG and marking it up and selling it to Europe and making money on it while they buy cheap oil and gas from Russia. Go figure that. Yeah, go figure that. The sanctions, have the sanctions even worked? Because it sounds like the Russian government pre-planned for the sanctions for kind of being uh, self-sufficient, kind of running their own thing. And internationally, obviously, their uh, their currency hasn't done well. But internally, they seem to be doing okay, and we're just putting more and more slap on the wrist sanctions on some of the leaders. But has it really done anything to them? Well, I think it has. I mean, I think that it's hard to go backwards. You know, when those Russians forever didn't have any different kinds of foods, didn't have any kind of choice of consumer goods, didn't have things that worked, you know, they had Lottas instead of Chevrolets. Uh, now they've had all these good good products for 40 years. And I think it's going to be kind of hard, or 30 years, it's going to be kind of hard for them to go back. So I think there is some pain being inflicted. Yeah. Yeah, we got about 30 seconds before we have to lift, let you go here with a hard break. But do you see this issue and this uh, this conflict being resolved anytime soon? Or is this going to drag out for a while? Well, that's the big problem. There is no apparent movement that I've seen. Now, maybe there's some under-the-table stuff. But I haven't seen anything that would tend to indicate people are talking. And to have meaningful talks, you're going to have to have France, U.S., Germany, the big powers in there with Russia. It can't just be the Ukraine and Russia. Yeah. It's going to be ongoing, I think, for a while. Like you said, it's it's scary. It's unfortunate, but hopefully we can get out of this here relatively soon. It's former Ambassador Francis Rooney. Francis, we appreciate the time very much, my friend. Let's talk again here real soon. Thank you very much. Hey, appreciate it. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll break that down, get the latest of what's going on over there, and get your thoughts on it as well to wrap up a post-Monday celebration. Stay right here on The Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes of the show. Thanks again to the ambassador coming on the program, former congressman as well. You can find his tweety at Rep Rooney. 
R-O-O-N-E-Y. You can find him on there and see all the content. We appreciate him. We'll get him back on the show again soon. Interesting conversation, interesting stuff regarding the latest out of the Russia-Ukrainian conflict. I wish it would end, but he's right. I don't see any end to it anytime soon. And right now they're positioning for power and what's going to happen thereafter as well. I did get some comments, though, on some of the social media about uh, supporting the Nazis out of Ukraine. Really? We don't like Nazis. Nazis are bad, okay? <laughs> but you have not all the Nazis. What's it, what I do support, however, is not having a dictator try and reunite the Soviet Union, which is what Vladimir Putin's trying to do. Not that Ukraine is a squeaky clean as well. But what we need to do is just stop the craziness that's going on and get back to where we were before with some tension at the border, but leaving each other alone. The There was a piece out of the Daily Mail that talked about how this could potentially end and really one of the few ways for this to actually end where if Putin loses this in Russia, in, in Russia, if he loses this conflict, then he's going to go into self-destruct mode. He's using all the resources to try and do it. And obviously the resources are not panning out the way that they need to, which again, to me is a complete shocker. I don't know much about Russia. I don't know much about their military. I don't know. All I knew was that I thought the top strongest militaries and largest militaries in the world were the U.S., was China, and was Russia. And they were supposed to be right up there. And seeing this... Now, obviously, we've thrown billions upon billions upon billions of dollars into Ukraine, so has other nations as well. So, of course, Ukraine's got a bigger chance, at least than what they had originally if they were left on their own, because everybody's sunk in massive amounts of money for them to support themselves and try and fight for their sovereignty, which good for them. Okay, you know what? I want you to fight for sovereignty as well. If I were out there, I'd be fighting for sovereignty too. Not that I agree with my government, but the fact that I would rather have my government to fight internally as opposed to the conflict going on with a dictator and a communist trying to take me over all over again. But according to the Daily Mail, they've laid out a potential um, uh, outcome of what this could be. If Russia continues to go into self-destruct mode and use all the resources for the Ukraine, then they could potentially crumble. And like what we saw with the fall of the Soviet Union, they've bankrupted themselves and they have no way to return and they have to start all over again. It sounds like the former KGB guy, that is Vladimir Putin, could be hitting that button again, going into breaking up or self-destruction and having to rebuild because they went broke using all the resources that they had. At the same time, I don't know that's necessarily true because of all the energy they're stockpiling with oil. And then we have NATO, which obviously the Ukraine's been trying to join NATO. And whether that's going to happen or not, I don't know. I don't think so, obviously, right now. But is it going to happen down the road? Potentially, which only leaves one crazy communist country left there in that region, which is China, which is the other dominant one in the area. So according to the Daily Mail, Putin breaks up Russia. NATO goes in a face-off head-to-head with China. Ukraine sees the path towards victory. And desperate, this is the headline for them, not from me. This is the headline from them. Desperate Vladimir Putin hits the panic button, and this is how the war could end. That's interesting. Um, Could resolve the conflict there. Could lead us into bigger conflicts down the road because China's watching this very closely to see what they can do uh, with Taiwan and what they want to do with the global dominance as well. And I don't know that that fears any better for the U.S. one way or the other. And we've been so financially involved in this now that we kind of have to see an, uh, an outcome one way or the other. And again, me not being an expert on a lot of this, I don't want to speak a whole lot on the fact other than just kind of being a third-party observer on this issue. But the U.S. is financially tied to it now with how much they've sunk into the Ukraine and with how much we involve ourselves in the global economics, which is why 
regardless of what you think of Vladimir Putin, he's been very smart in trying to isolate himself and become self-dependent and self-independent as opposed to uh, depending on the Russian currency with some of the global matters and global trade, just doing yourself your own way. You do you, man, which is why it was so unpopular for the Democrats here in the country when Donald Trump came out and said, make America great again, and we need to focus on our country first because they don't like being self-sufficient as a nation, and the self-sufficiency as our nation is probably the most important thing that we could possibly do. We need to get back to that, and right now we're like the opposite. So that's the work, and again, all falls back into the United States and our general election coming up in November. That is for us today. We're out of time. Sorry. We're out of time. Can't do any more. Podcast up in just a little bit. We'll do more of this tomorrow with some of the great guests. We have a lot to get to throughout this week. But until then, be the catalyst in your own community. Let's make sure that we see some red going into the elections in November, and we can do that just with us being involved at that local level. Until then, be your own voice of reason. It's time to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.